That first A, for an incoming manager at a new club, must be overwhelming. There is an entire squad of players to meet, to get to know, to win over. There is a staff, nervous of your intentions and fearful, of what the future may hold, to convince. And, hopefully, to command there are training schedules to draw up. And tactics to implement and a great pile of footage to watch, to try and work out where it went wrong. Because it has, more often than not, gone wrong, and that is why you have a job, and how it might be put right. There are political currents to detect, alliances to forge, enmities to soothe. And there is no time, because there is a game looming on the horizon, a first impression to make and yet. Before all of that. There is one thing, that seems to consume all new managers, young and old, fresh and wizened, hopeful and worldly wise one question, that must be addressed, before anything else can happen, one decision that will set the tone for your reign. Where do you stand, exactly, vis-a-vis Heinz tomato ketchup while managers seem to spend more time than might be expected establishing their precise policy on condiments. Within a few days of arriving at Aston Villa, Steven Gerrard had banned them. So too, had Antonio Conte, when he joined Tottenham of course. As much as anything else, this is a power play. It is a way of establishing dominance over every aspect of the player's lives, casting yourself as an authority figure, making plain that fitness is your absolute priority. Most managers, when they take a new job, are struck by how terribly out of shape the squad of lean, muscle-bound elite athletes suddenly at their disposal, seems to be there as an alternative route. Though, the absence of condiments can be diagnosed as a problem just as much as their presence. In cases where a manager is replacing an anti-Heinz tomato ketchup extremist, some will consider reinstating them as an olive branch, well, a tapenade, to the squad. A way of signaling that the brutal, flavorless days of the previous regime are over, and that a more collaborative, trusting approach is at hand. The significance of all of this is, of course, overplayed. The focus on minor details, like whether a manager has banned Heinz tomato ketchup bottles, because to offer the kindest interpretation, it serves as an illustrative, immediately comprehensible shorthand for what sort of coach they intend to be. In a way, that detailing exactly what sort of running drills they are doing, does not the news media's apparently insatiable obsession with condiments does. Though, hinted a greater truth, one that generally goes unspoken, one that flirts with breaking the fourth wall, that managers, as a rule, do not matter as much as we think they do. For the most part, they are tinkering around the edges, their decisions and their choices and their approaches largely irrelevant to how their tenures will play out, their power limited not to their own destiny. But to what players can have with their main courses that, certainly, is what almost every academic study on the influence of football managers has concluded. Some have entered popular discourse, the research in footballernomics, that estimated that a manager is responsible for only 8% of a team's results, the work in the numbers game, the place the figure at around double, that some have remained adrift in academia. One, in 2013, found that interim managers tended to have more direct impact on results than permanent ones but reach the same broad conclusion only the true greats. People like Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger had a tangible discernible impact. All the others were at the mercy of factors not entirely within their control, a club's financial potency, the quality of player on the books, the strength of their opponents. It is only necessary to glance at Paris Saint-Germain to know that, even with a high-caliber manager and a high-quality squad, sometimes the mix is not right, something has to spark. Something between chemistry and alchemy, to make things work that conclusion, though, is not quite as straightforward as it appears. 8%, to use the lowest available estimate, may not sound like a lot, but in the context of elite football, in particular, it is a huge and unwieldy variable this is a sport. 
after all, of fine margins, a brief loss of concentration, a slight tactical distinction, a single decision made instinctively by a brilliant player, can all decide a game. That the identity of a single staff member can be directly responsible for almost a tenth of the outcome, is proof not of a manager's irrelevance. But of the opposite, Manchester United has one of the most expensive, richly remunerated squads in football history. This is supposed to be the great corollary with performance, how much you pay your players is, in theory, the best gauge for where they will help you finish in the league but, at the point that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was fired, United was marooned in the Premier League. It had been humiliated, in quick succession, by Liverpool and Manchester City and Watford. There was little or no cohesion in defence, no identifiable plan in attack. No real sense that anyone knew what they were supposed to be doing at all not all of that is the manager's fault. Of course, United's haphazard recruitment policy and its outdated, flawed structure were the primary culprits. But that the problems should have been so visible, so pronounced under Solskjaer, a coach so obviously out of his depth, serves as a potent reminder that, no matter how good your players, they are not enough on their own they need to be organized effectively. Two, not only to compete with City and Liverpool, two of the four best teams on the planet, but to survive against a straggler like Watford. In a sport of fine margins, after all, it does not take much to shift the balance, and to shift it drastically. A merely good manager may look like he does not have much of an impact. When one does not meet even that bar, the effect, as we have seen, is obvious. Whatever he does with the Heinz tomato ketchup bottles. Remember to follow Golia by hitting the follow button and slapping a five-star review on the show or tapping the love icon. Let's get to 1 million followers and tune in daily for new episodes.